Praise the Lord. Well, welcome everyone. Just uh, wonderful to have you here. Thank you for giving up time. I know this time of the year is a very busy time. We've had a whole number of people just uh, apologize. They can't be here. They've got clashing events. Uh, they've got other events with schools and uh, end of the year events and so on. So we had a whole number of people uh, just express their desire to be here but unable to be here. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming. Why don't we open our hearts to the Lord and just praise just His presence and blessing around our lives tonight, shall we? Well, let's just open our hearts. Let's begin to speak in the language of tongues. Well, let's begin to welcome the Holy Ghost. Welcome the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. Lord. We thank you for all you are, for all you are doing. We thank you, Jesus. We give you the honor, for you are the head of your church. We thank you, Lord, tonight for your presence here. Lord, we thank you for peace in our hearts, peace in your house, peace in this place. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your favor and your smile. And we welcome you tonight, Lord. We just speak and share together. Lord, let your presence and let your hand be upon all that we do together. We thank you. I thank you for each person here tonight, families they represent, and for others who couldn't be here tonight, uh, for others, Lord, who are not with us tonight. We just pray blessing upon each family, each person in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, again, welcome everyone, and uh, we welcome Dave and Kate tonight. And uh, it's a great night to hear from you, so we're glad you're going to be sharing tonight. I want to welcome also Brent Douglas from Auckland. Brent's a friend of ours, a friend of the church, been in apostolic ministry for 30 years. Is it 30? It's longer than 30 now, isn't it? 30 years, that'll do. And, uh, but uh, he's uh, in a role of apostolic advising our church for many years and uh, he's a great friend of the church, great uh, minister, ministers and pastors, conferences and leaders who's uh, run conferences in our nation and uh, touched, uh, he's a powerful minister in the spirit. So we're just so glad to have you here. So what we're going to do tonight is uh, just, uh, Joe and I'll share just briefly, uh, Kate and Dave will share with you, and then uh, Brent will uh, finish up the evening. He wants to share some things from his perspective uh, as a, an a apostle in the nation, as someone who's traveling and sees what God is doing around the world, and uh, then we'll close the meeting up and we'll remain afterwards so that we can sit down and uh, Brent will be available if you want to talk and ask any questions that you would like to. He's able to answer everything as far as I'm aware. And uh, if you want to come and talk with Dave and Kate, they'll be sitting here, glad to answer any questions. We'll be also staying, glad to answer any questions too. We think it's probably the best way to do it that way. And uh, so anyway, let, I want to just uh, share just a few thoughts with you before we uh, get Dave and Kate up and then uh, I'll ask Joy to share with us too. Um, the first thing is I, I just really want to honour and appreciate you for being here tonight. I want to thank you for your support. I want to thank you for your prayers and for your love. And uh, 29 years ago, God spoke to us very clearly. We're people that have always lived out of God speaking. Um, I had relig religion. God doesn't speak. You just live out of rules. But we live out of something different. And our journey has been one that put us into a prophetic church. And uh, in the prophetic church, you need to hear God and hear God for yourself. Hear God clearly. And that's what brings life to us. So God spoke 29 years ago to, co to come. And I'm so grateful to have Bruce and Sharon with us tonight. 
uh, who came with us all those years ago, and also Duncan somewhere here. Where's Duncan? I know Duncan is here. There's Duncan. Thank you, Duncan, for being with us tonight, Bruce and Sharon. We appreciate that. And uh, God spoke to me uh, about, spoke to us about one year ago, and uh, the word he spoke, you know, sometimes when you hear God speak, you don't catch it all, or you think you've got it and you haven't caught it all. And, uh, but God spoke to us about leadership change, not about leaving. He spoke about leadership change, not about leaving. And uh, so we chose to just step out, and about exactly, almost exactly one year ago, we had a family meeting, and we shared about that. And uh, we stepped out expecting God to help us. Uh, we hadn't made this journey before. We didn't know what it would involve. Uh, looking back, I can say this has been probably the hardest year of our lives, yet it's been one where we've learned and grown and changed a lot as well. And so while I thank God for all we've learned, I would never want to repeat it. <laughs> and uh, it's been, But it's not just been difficult for us. It's been difficult for everyone. And in the help that we, we sought help on the journey, and uh, it, it, it became increasingly, uh, it just seemed like it was about us leaving the church rather than about leadership change. Somehow the whole thing got, it seemed to just not move as we thought. And so what we experienced through the year was extreme spiritual pressure. And church has been a significant church in the nation and nations, and it seemed like there was just this tremendous warfare that I couldn't understand all about it was, what it was about. But now I do understand because God has spoken and helped me after I've walked through the battle to understand more about what the issue is. It's never about people, although people are involved. This particular battle was a battle over legacy. What will be passed on and how it will be passed on and what will continue. Uh, that's what the, the battle has been about. And that conflict is still raging now conflict's not over. It's not people, although people are involved. It's actually spiritual powers. And that conflict is still there, even though we've made a decision and started to move forward. The beginning of the battle, the conflict was about removing us from our legacy in the house. And so we faced immense pressure that caused us to feel incredible rejection, incredible dislocation, and a feeling as though actually our time had finished and and we couldn't even see how we'd be a part of the future here. So there was great grief and a great struggle around all of that, coming to grips with letting go, trying to hold anything, and yet feeling something in that was not right. Now I think the battle has changed, and I think the battle is to remove people from their legacy with us. And so there's a conflict going on. And uh, that it's not with people, it's with evil spirits. But evil spirits influence people, and uh, I feel quite distressed as I hear some of the things that people are saying and doing uh, without checking facts or checking anything. And that creates a huge pressure on people. So I believe the spiritual battle is still there, and we would encourage you at the end to continue to stand in prayer. The battle is always for what lies ahead for each of us, what God has planned. And so that's why tonight I'm deeply grateful you're here because your presence here is a great support uh, emotionally and personally to Joy and I and also to Dave and Kate. And also it's evidence that somehow you stood up and you never got knocked out in the battle. And so we want to honour you for that. Uh, over, the, uh, over the year, with the pressures we've felt, I can honestly say it's only the grace of God that enabled Joy and I to stand. 
took us right to the end of, uh, of, of where we were at and what we were able to cope with. And there was a point came uh, somewhere around about August where both of us wondered uh, whether we could stay, whether we could handle the pressure we were feeling and the turmoil we were feeling. And, uh, but I made the decision late last year, based on a prophetic word Dave gave me, uh, to make a stand in prayer and to contend all year. So for a year, I've contended every day at 5 a.m. in the morning for our future, for what God wanted, for it to come into being. And, uh, and as we've gone on, uh, it actually came to a point in the journey where I was challenged to resign and to step down and leave. And it was quite a, <laughs> quite a tempting offer, I suppose. Uh, but deep in my heart, uh, I am a person who lives out of what God says. So I, I don't always handle some things well, but there's a point in me where I'm aligned to an eternal kingdom. And what counts is that I do the right thing before God. That's what, I, that's what counts to me. And so uh, I actually refused. There's at least one person here tonight who knows of that meeting. I refused because I felt the church is an entrustment of God. I didn't come here on a good idea. I came because God spoke. And I declared I could not hand a church to a group. I needed to put it in the hands of someone I felt was called of God. And at that stage, I did not know who. And uh, the, the question was raised then, well, what is God saying in this matter? And I spent a bit of time continuing a prayer, and I came to a deep conclusion. I can't say I had lights flash on. I just came to conclusion after thinking and looking through it all that the hand of God was on David and Kate, that they were actually called by God. And uh, so I only came to that conviction about August, September of this year. You say, well, why don't you just shortcut the whole deal and just go for it earlier on in the year or late last year? Here's the reason why, because I had no conviction of God. And I would be very open and vulnerable to people saying, well, you're just promoting your son. So it's a no-win. If you don't hear from God, you haven't heard from God. And so I could not move and become definitive in any kind of way until I could actually honestly stand and say, I laid down all agendas and I heard God. And that's the kind of person I am. And so I came to that conclusion around about August, September. And I knew when I came to that conclusion that this would not be an easy decision to process forward. I knew that many people would not necessarily be happy with the decision. I think in hindsight, no matter what decision was made, the battle would not have been much different because it was always a spiritual battle, never just about people. And so we made that decision. And uh, the rest you're aware of, uh, we now have got some unsettlement and some shifts and changes. And that's all okay. Let God build his church. Let Jesus build his church, let him position people as he wishes. All we have to do is operate in a godly manner and make sure we heard God. So for Dave and Kate, uh, the next season is different. Uh, I came to a deep conviction that the leadership that I had given and the, the way I lead and the kind of gifting I am is not the leadership of the future. And that's quite a, a difficult thing to come to, to realize that a season where you function, you actually have to let go because that's not going to be what God will do in the future. You'll do it differently. And so I had some days weeping over that to admit to and to release and let go and make the change. And so the new leadership, the new season needs a different leadership. 
and I believe Dave and Kate will grow into and become the kinds of leaders that God is wanting. I sense it already in their heart. Um, a number of things, perhaps, this is not just about us, by the way. This is actually a global change taking place. And as I go around, and as I've walked through this year, I've asked the question, God, what have we been building? And I've come to the conclusion there's a need for change. There's a need for change with how we do things. There's a need for a fresh focus on Jesus Christ. There's a need to take seriously what being a disciple of Jesus is and what it means to live for an eternal kingdom. And I believe the church has got to recenter around these things and start to get again engaged in loving people as Jesus loved them. And so David has been with us in the church here for 28 years. He came with Duncan and, uh, and David has... Um, walk through a whole number of pressures and battles. You'll, you'll know some aspects of his life. Of course, you'll know where he served. He served in drumming and setting things up and helping with worship, helping with youth, doing young adults. He served on staff and served in business and missions. But there, there came a point where he needed to actually break away and discover his own identity. Very hard to walk in the shadow of your father who's in world or global ministry. You've actually got to find who you are and then be able to stand up in who you are and be able to walk in who you are and not be your dad. And that's an important phase in David's growth. And so going to Pakistan and the season he's had where he's not been with us has been a part of establishing his own identity so he can stand up and not feel he needs to be me. Many in the church will want another me. They're in another one, and not only that, God said the leadership's got to change. So it has to be different. Um, so Dave has faced, I've been with him many years and seen many facets of him. I've seen his, uh, his challenges as a youth. But one thing I've got to know is that God's got his hand on him. Even when David backslid a little bit for a little while when he was 15-year-old, his friends would bring him to church saying, I hear your dad's a pastor. I want to come to your church. Take me to your church. And they would come. And I see, remember seeing Dave sitting down there with his unsaved friend. And the unsaved friend said, I want to get saved. Come up to the front with me. And so all this time, God's had his hand on him. So even when he tried to walk away and find himself as a teen, he couldn't do it. His friends would bring him back. And there he'd be in church again. And uh, so I saw him walk through that. And I saw him face pressures and dangers with uh, immense courage. And one thing I admire about David is his tenacity. He's never let go of the call of God in his life. And uh, he's faced a lot of challenges with us in the journey you wouldn't know about. I remember when he was just a young boy here and I got him a, we had to save hard because we had no money, got a remote control car. He brought it to church and it was stolen. And I remember walking him through the grief over the loss of something that was of high value to him and it was all part of many of the struggles we had and the various attacks we had on us in different ways in pioneering the church. I remember as a young man, we'd come back into church starting to walk with God again and he'd saved up and he'd bought an RX-7 car. He came in on the Sunday it was an Easter Sunday, weeping, and his car had been stolen. It was trashed. And I watched, I, there'd be a lot of other stories, but I watched how he held on to God in all of those things. And even though he faced those difficulties, he just remained still strong faith and strong conviction to call to God in his life. There's been a whole range of other things, of course. Faced rejection. He faced the loss of two children. These are things that you don't hear about to go through a difficult season in the church and then miscarry is incredibly painful. And when you're in leadership, you can't always tell everyone. 
And so when they came back, they faced not only the return to a church that had changed, they faced also the loss of a child that was very, very close to them. These are difficult challenges to face, but they're all part of the making of a man or woman of God. These are not things you see or even hear about, and I'll probably never talk about them again. But tonight, I felt to share a few things with you you wouldn't have heard. And I watched Dave and Kate walk through those challenges and walk through and never lose their faith in God and their love for the Lord and their love for the church when they had many reasons to do so. They've kept faith and vision. Uh, Kate has served in the church in a whole number of years. She served in the, in the preschool. And again, there, there are challenges Kate has faced that none of you know about. I can remember one time where uh, I had appointed her in charge of the preschool. I was away for three weeks and I came back and there'd been a coup and she'd been overthrown by someone on staff. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And yet she handled it graciously. And I saw her minister with a heart of love to the person that had overthrown her. And that takes grace to do that kind of thing. Woman needed deliverance. Of course she needed deliverance. <laughs> I had her in my office. And one of the few times this woman chucked and vomited and threw up all over my table. And Kate cleaned it up. It takes a special kind of person <laughs> to do such a thing. <laughs> oh, well, that's... Yeah, yeah. Many times. So she served in preschool and and the worship area, the youth area, and worked with people. And she's had her journey to face as well. And so Pakistan was a time of tremendous uh, refining of their lives. For Kate, having to stay at home with children who were sick, I had no idea it was so hard. You know, I had no idea because they never let on. They never told us how hard it really was. Never told us of the continuous sickness, vomiting, diarrhea, everyone's sick all the time, and no relief. They didn't talk about the isolation, about the struggles that took place of, uh, uh, because of jealousies of people being disconnected at times and truly alone in that nation. They didn't talk or make very well known the extreme level of danger that they were in all the time. And I saw them change in that season away. And you can't make a man of God, a woman of God, just sitting in a church. They're only made through refining in the fires of life. And so <clears throat> I believe that uh, as the church goes forward with Dave and Kate leaving, they'll do it differently, but it'll be what is needed for the new season. They'll be very inclusive because that's part of who we are and it's part of what we started the church on. I believe they'll help the church get its family roots back again over the course of time uh, the church has moved away from some of the things which are of great value which we planted here. And we need to restore those and then go further. And I believe Dave and Kate, because they love us and are connected to us, I believe that they will uh, establish a whole new focus on Jesus. They'll establish a whole new focus on discipling people and raising up people. And that they'll hold fast to our prophetic roots. And not only that, I think we will have a role here still whereas before it looked like we were going to have no role. So our role, we'll remain connected to the church. This was a big danger before, one we had to go through and just face, well, perhaps our time and season is completely over. We had to lay down everything. But we came to the conclusion, actually, that's not God, that God wants generations to continue. And so we'll remain, this is our home, we'll be connected to it, we'll serve in it, I'll still preach, we'll minister, 
will develop the global aspect of what we're doing, but we'll be vitally interested in your development and also in helping Dave and Kate succeed. It's our home. We love Bay City and we love you and we're so appreciative of you and thank God for you. I believe great days are ahead, great times are ahead, and I'm looking forward to seeing the church that will be different. We've always been prophetic, and so let's make a journey, be willing to try new things, to do things differently, to not build church around dependency on strong people or strong ministries, but build the church around the centrality of Jesus Christ and the participation every person has in that. Amen? God bless you. George, would like to share something? We didn't actually talk together about what we had on our heart, but really he's taken all the things that I was going to share. Because I remember a year ago, it was a Labor Weekend a year ago, there was a very strong um, word from the Lord, and it was quite impacting. I remember for Mike, it was like he had the call he had 30 years ago, came fresh upon him again. It was, he remembered vividly when it came, and it was like the call was still there, but the timing now was to make a stand and say it's time for us to be able to be released from day-to-day pastoring and, and embrace the work in the nations. And it was a, a very um, God-impacting moment. And, uh, and then we knew also that there had to be a different style of leadership for the next generation. It needed to be a younger leader. I'm so pleased to see people like Kez and uh, Steve getting excited at seeing a younger face, younger leaders, because it's a different world. And Younger people will connect with them, and we want intergeneration. We want our children and grandchildren, everybody to be at home in the church. So we need younger faces. We need people with new ideas and a different style of leadership. We came up when the five-fold ministries were strong. We had seasons of the teachers, seasons of the apostles, seasons of the evangelists. And we saw each of the five-fold ministries uh, strong in the house. And each of those fivefold ministries have been restored so that the saints can do the work, so that you can be empowered. And the call now is for everyone here to carry that anointing into the nations and into this community and wherever you live and wherever you are. It's your time. So we need a style of leadership that can include everybody, can empower everybody, can find out what you carry, what's in your heart, and make it happen. And, uh, and, and these two are like that. Kate is a tremendous team builder, tremendous detail. These two have never actually worked together. Um, but they've always had their own ministries. And we haven't had the benefit of the two of them flowing together. But David's very visionary, great connector, great ability to hear God and carry dimensions of the spirit. But without Kate, he'd be lost because she's got the details. She's the team builder. She one that can flow together with them, and they're a powerful team. And we really haven't seen that, but I know that together they'll, they'll accomplish what needs to happen for this next season. And they'll include everybody and empower you because that's what needs to happen in this season. And then I was also thinking, too, this time of testing we've all been through, not just us. We've all, whether you recognize it or not, you've been under strong spiritual battle and pressure. But it's grown us. And, it, you know, God says rejoice and turn back to your source in a time like that because that's when you'll grow. And 
we've looked back and thought, what have we learned? We have learned some truths we'll never forget. We'll see things much more sharply. And even as Mike said, I remember that thought coming, what kind of house will you build for me? And it's a question, what kind of house are we going to build? And it's very easy, um, I was looking at also that thing, if we remember from where you've fallen, but we've got to come back and do again the first things. That's part of that candlestick being removed verse in Revelation 2. But some things we carried strongly when we arrived, and probably we've let go a bit. Other influences have come in and other things, flavors and flows. But we came with a, a sense of Holy Spirit um, empowering of people to do stuff <laughs> and equipping and training them to do stuff. And also great family feel, great connecting, and we've got to get back to that. And it's part of who we are. It's part of what God called us to do. So the wilderness is a time of testing, but I was thinking of Jesus, his time in the wilderness. He came through all the pressures of the demons, wanting him to sell out for an instant meal, heritage. You know, even people in the past, I thought, fancy selling out your spiritual destiny for a pot of soup. But people have done that. There's a pressure to do that. Just have instant relief now, and don't worry about your kingdom destiny. But we had kingdom birthed in us in Danivert. We had a revelation of the kingdom. And it, we can't let it go. It's part of who we are. We're called to extend the kingdom of God. And we haven't got that option. We don't have the permission to say, this is what I want to do, Lord. It's, yes, sir. We do what you call us to do. That's who we've been birthed into that and, and the things in, in Danivert. But I believe now when you go through testing, you come out with a fresh empowering. And I believe all of us that are still standing, standing strong, you'll carry more. You'll have a fresh empowering of the Holy Ghost on you, fresh anointing on you now because of standing through a time of testing. I mean, it would be taking me longer. I can see your hand pushing me. <laughs> Let's welcome Dave and Kate to come and share with us. Wonderful. Thank you so very much for taking the time to come out here tonight. And uh, we're very, uh, we greatly value your time and the, and the commitment that you've made just to be here tonight. And uh, so I really want to thank you from the bottom of our heart uh, for making the time to come here. And it is truly a great honour and a great privilege to be able to uh, pick up this role of leadership in Bay City. And uh, I consider it an, an ex a great honour and a privilege to do this. And uh, uh, one of the reasons I, I consider this, it's just a wonderful opportunity to be able to serve people, to serve you, and to serve the house of the Lord. And uh, I consider it a great honor that when I look back and look at the legacy and the foundation that this church has been built upon, and uh, this is not just about uh, one great couple, so many people have contributed their lives, their prayers, their energies, their finances, into building such a wonderful place that is called Bay City Outreach Center today. A place, a house that sends missionaries and brings hope to nearly all four corners of the world. And uh, this is a wonderful legacy and a wonderful foundation uh, in which to now launch uh, an incredible new and bright future. And uh, there's actually a couple of, another couple of people here tonight that I really want to acknowledge. And um, that's my sister Jo and my brother Pete. And along this process, along this journey of, uh, the reality is none of us had really had a choice <laughs> to, come, to come here. Uh, Dad's, Mum and Dad said we're going to Hastings and, and 
there was no vote. It wasn't a. <laughs> but nonetheless, you guys also paid a, a tremendous price to, um, to uh, and sacrifice to to invest into this house today. And uh, so, although uh, Kate and I are here today, you guys here have a, a, a rich heritage, and um, and you guys have also paid a price. So I really want to honour you both, and also our other brothers and sisters that couldn't be here tonight. Uh, so thank you guys so very, very much for being here tonight. It really means a lot. I also want to uh, honour Pastor Brent. And uh, Dad said a while ago that uh, it was a time where I kind of wandered away a little bit and eventually came back. And uh, when I came back was actually a result uh, of Pastor Brent's ministry, and I remember when when he was here preaching one time, and that's where I gave my my heart back to the Lord again. So uh, I have a great honour, and uh, it's a great privilege to have you here today as well. And uh, Pastor Brent has always been a part of our uh, since for many years. He's been a part of our family. Always had a genuine interest. He's always spoken the truth. And uh, today it is uh, it is a truly an honour to have him here. Um, there's a lot of things I could say about him, uh, positive things. However, I can think I can sum it up into into a very important element that Brent, we trust you and we love you, and th- so thank you so much. Over the last little while, I've actually been doing a. Uh, I've just been having a look around and just rethinking my own thoughts about what leadership is. All of us here today, when we hear the word leader or leadership. Uh, we'll all have a different perspective or a different idea about what that actually means. And for some people, they could maybe think of a tyrant. For other people, it could be something else. But everyone has a, a different idea about what leadership is like. And uh, for me, I want to just encourage you today. Is, um, part of my journey, I've been looking at uh, observing the difference between leaders as in a static position or leadership as in a process of bringing a, a group of people from A to B to C. And uh, I believe that the world now, the whole concept of leadership around the world has been shaken both in the church world and the commercial world. And, uh, and I'm, uh, what is really burning in my heart is that actually leadership is, you can't really define it so well except that we're a process going, of a, uh, it's a process of a journey of people going from one step to another step to another step. And I believe that uh, as we come into this role and come into the role of, uh, of a function of leadership in, in Bay City here, that our heart is to see us as a body of people go from a journey from A to B to C, and on that journey that we could bring hope to so many people around the world and in our own community here today. Our desire is this, is to serve the church, it's to serve you. We do not see the church as a means to an end, as a means to promote a, a, another ministry or, or anything like that. This is, this, is, this is what I was born to do. <laughs> this is what I love to do. And uh, one of the greatest passions that I have in my heart is to see people succeed. And so when I see you walk in the destiny that God has planned for you, that gives me the best kick that I could ever have because if I can see you succeed and become the person, the man, the woman that God's called you to be, then I too feel uh, that I've accomplished something what God has called me to do. And so we're in this together. This is not, a, uh, it's not a, a, an us and them. It is we're in this together as a family. And so our heart is to serve you. Our heart is to serve this church the hardest to serve our community that God has entrusted us to. Um, one of the things, I'm also studying an MBA, which is interesting, and one of the, one of the uh, core elements that they've been pushing all the way through is this, that people matter. <laughs> people are intrinsically valuable. 
and uh, they're teaching us this in, in, in accounting. You've got to understand, it's not about numbers, it's about people. It's people that matter. And I'm thinking, if they're teaching us this in accounting, <laughs> I think, you know, there's some really good truths in here. And, uh, and all over the world, I was saying that it's actually that people are coming more, more aware about the uniqueness and the intrinsic value that lie within people. So we see, um, we see church as a family first and foremost. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven. So the whole concept, the whole base of what church and what we, uh, what we, we see church is, is it's a family. It's a family that's a, it's a collector. It's a, it's a community of people that is brought together, all individuals within that community. So all of us have a unique perspective. All of us have a unique, uh, a unique value, a unique, a unique gift that we can bring in order to uh, create a family. Another way we could say this is about, about having a big meal together when we have a big community meal. Uh, I mean, if everybody bought porridge, it just wouldn't be, the, it wouldn't be fun. But the uniqueness of people is that we could all bring a different plate on the table, and all together we can have a wonderful banquet. And I'm believing that uh, as a body of people, as, as the church, as family, we come together, we can bring a banquet, not just for our own community, our, uh, but the communities around us as well, that we'll be able to bring hope and blessing to, our, to the people that God has entrusted us to. People matter. People do have an intrinsic value, regardless of culture, regardless of gender, and regardless of age. And one of the, one, the most amazing aspects about this church is that we have such a wonderful span of people. We have old people, we have mature people, we have young people, we have every kind of person. We have different cultures represented here. Uh, we have various, uh, there's only two genders which you can get. <laughs> but essentially, what I love about this house is it encapsulates such a wide cross-section of people. And that's what makes... I believe this church is such a wonderful place to be in, and it gives us so much potential and opportunity to be a, a blessing to our community. So uh, for, for, some, uh, for some people around the world, uh, the emphasis have, you may, hear the, hear, may have heard the words, it's all about the next generation, it's about the coming generation. And often uh, a people group can be neglected simply because the, because the focus switches to a younger generation. However, that is not in our heart. Uh, we see that every person here, no matter how young, no matter how old, what colour, what creed, whatever, you have a place in here, and you have a valuable uh, position here, and we, we, we just welcome you that God has brought you and knitted you into this place. We value your perspective. Our heart is to empower individuals. We believe that uh, as a, um, a, a collective of individuals coming together, we can bring such a unique uh, a unique offering, a unique blessing into our community. So our heart is, really, is to empower you, to empower the people that come into this church, to empower the people in our community to become and be the very, very best that God has called them to be. It is our heart to empower people and to equip them so they can become and fulfill their God-given destiny. This is a journey together, and uh, there will be bumps in the road. <laughs> we may get a little bit lost here and there, however... If we can journey this together, we're all in the same car, we're all on the same bus, and uh, I know if we can just uh, uh, keep our eyes on the, on, the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the goals ahead, but also enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride, because it's going to be fun. <laughs> in terms of going forward, uh, I don't have a great vision for the future. 
I don't see this as being a, a vision-led church or a vision-driven church, sorry. But I see this as being a Christ-centered church that is led by the Holy Spirit and compelled by love. If I look at the New Testament, Paul, his, his whole life, his whole identity was centered around the person of Jesus Christ. He was empowered of the Holy Spirit, but he was compelled by love. And uh, our vision has always remained the same for the last 2,000 years. However, our, our church, our lives, must be centered around the person of Jesus Christ. So that is our focus. That is the core direction of where we believe this, our church should be. We want to hear what God place, has placed on your heart. Uh, often in many places you'll hear uh, a lot of great things come from a pulpit. However, we want to hear from your heart. Every person here, when you come, uh, you come to this place, every person contributes in a, in, a, in a particular way, in a unique way. We believe that, we know that from the, from the scriptures that the Holy Spirit, God has given the Holy Spirit to every one of us and he, is, he empowers us and he puts giftings in every one of our hearts. And uh, so one of the things for Kate and I, we would love to hear what God is speaking to you about. We'd like to hear what God is doing in your life. We'd love to hear the journey that God has taken you on because it's not, it, it's not, it's not going to revolve around around two people on a platform. This is community. This is together. This is a family that is journeying a, a life together. And every one of us will have a story to tell. Every one of us will have something from God to bring into this house and offer to the community. And uh, so we welcome. We want to hear what God is doing in your heart. We want to hear what God's speaking to you about. That's important to us. You're important. We're here to serve you, and we want to hear what God is speaking to you about. For our own journey... For the past five years or so, uh, I've, I've been around church all my life. <laughs> Most of my life I've been around church. I've seen a lot of churches. I've seen them progress through various stages. However, over the last five years, I've, uh, I've begun to rethink and, and look at my own journey and look at my own beliefs about where we're going and, and, and just the ideas that many churches have. When I went to Pakistan, it was a life-changing moment for us, for both Kate and I and also our family. God clearly spoke to us before we went that we were to go uh, and wash, like in the the story of the Bible of the pool of Siloam, that God was wanting us to go and to to wash in a pool somewhere and uh, and to have our our eyes opened. And uh, so for a while we wondered, where would that be? God, where is this pool that you wanted to send us to 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 do this work in our hearts? And eventually the penny dropped that it was going to be Pakistan. And you know what? People thought we were crazy going. People thought that I'd lost my mind, that I'd go there and live there and take my family there. However, we believe that, um, that the hand of God was leading us there, and we're totally convinced about that. When I, before I went to Pakistan, I had a whole bunch of ideas that I'd learned from church that we could take there and show them how to build a great work. <laughs> However, when I went there, I actually felt uh, the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I found ourselves in a journey where I actually had to unlearn a lot of the things that I had previously learned. And uh, one of the things I discovered in Pakistan, that my eyes were really opened to the vastness of people and to the vastness of what could happen, but also the desperate need and the desperate kind that so many people had. And so a time in Pakistan was certainly uh, an eye-opening experience, and it was certainly a time where, where, where my whole belief structure, my whole uh, thinking pattern regarding church and regarding the kingdom and regarding my own life, was completely changed and challenged and uh, turned around. Praise God, I believe my eyes were opened to a whole new dimension. 
one of the things upon this journey that we've been walking in, as I began to examine and consider the function of church and the role of church in relation to community and society, and in talking to a lot of unsaved people, one thing I discovered that there's, there's a lot of people that didn't have a, a problem with Jesus, but they kind of were unsure about church. And uh, as I began to just walk this journey out, I began to see that in many places, church has become disconnected from society. And, and historically, when you look back in, in, in history, the church was actually a, a, a community hub. It was a hive of social activity. However, that seems to not be the case anymore. And so I believe in many cases that the church has become isolated to a degree from where people in the community really live. And uh, for, for me and my heart, again, it comes down to this, that people matter whether they're in the house or they're not in the house, regardless of what culture, regardless of their background, the people matter, and people matter in our community here. Our community has an intrinsic value. But however, somewhere where there's been a disconnect, and, and somehow the church, has, I found, has kind of maybe lost its way a bit. And so for me, I felt God speak to me about how can we come back to that place where we bring family back to church again, where it moves away from uh, the corporation that in many places it's, it's turned to, to come back to become a, a center of community, to, to bring a life to our local community where we live. And uh, so I felt God has been speaking to me about bringing a connection of, uh, of church back into society and, and integrated a lot more. I believe that one of the biggest challenges facing society is this today. It's the issue of, of connection and disconnection. And for many of us, we'll see the rise of social media. And uh, social media, like Facebook and, and Twitter and, and all these uh, various media outlets. One of the things I started to look at was, what is that reflective of? Something like that just doesn't just evolve so strongly, so quickly. It's actually representative of something. And when I look back at the, through the Bible... I began to just uh, sum it up, and I could see it, see it summed up in one particular uh, context. That one, it's about connection and disconnection, or disconnection and connection. We see from the beginning of the Bible that man disconnected from God, and then man also disconnected from one another. And I see from the, from the beginning of the Bible right to the very end, the whole concept of it is one man disconnecting from God and disconnecting from one another. And the whole way through the Bible, it always speaks, nearly in every chapter of every book, it talks somewhere about man connecting with God again and man connecting with one another. Reconciliation is a common theme right throughout the Bible. And so you see that in society today, that people are wanting and desiring to, to be genuinely connected. People are wanting to be connected to God. People are needing to be connected with one another. So connection is, a very, uh, is something that's very important to our hearts. People are searching for hope. Again, you can just see uh, the rise of Facebook and things like that for that. Everywhere we look, people are looking for a better life. doesn't matter what country they're looking, they live in. People everywhere are looking for a better life. That's why we have things like Lotto. People cash and try and gamble and, and do so many things because people are hoping for a better life somewhere. And we believe that the, the only true way that that hope can be fulfilled is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. No other way. Third point, Jesus calls us to be followers of him, not followers of a franchise, not followers of a denomination. I believe that Jesus Christ is called, Jesus himself said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
So the core of our heart is one that would bring people into followership of Jesus Christ. That you're not following uh, a person, uh, a, a, a figure. You're, we're following Jesus Christ. And so that is the core of our heart. That, the other one is that uh, Jesus has called us to be an authentic representation of him. An authentic representation of, of him. The Bible talks about that we are ambassadors for, for him. Uh, one of the things on my heart is this, that we can authentically represent Jesus Christ on this earth today. And for me, that is a very, that is very uh, a value close to my heart. Jesus said to us as believers, he said, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And it's my heart that Bay City Outreach Center becomes that, that we're a city on a hill, that we're the light of the world, that we bring hope into our own local community. So in terms of the future, one of the things that God's been speaking to me recently about is in the book of Nehemiah. And, uh, and if you look at the beginning of uh, the story of Nehemiah, the story is about how Jerusalem had its walls broken down and, and burned with fire. And it was a, it was a place of hopelessness. It was a, it was a place of defeat. However, Nehemiah had a call from God to rebuild the city again. And I can tell you, I can stand here today and, 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 and tell you today that God has spoken to me very, very clearly to be able, when I come into this role uh, to bring hope into our community. God has spoken to me very clearly about bringing hope back into this community again. And as I looked at the story of Nehemiah, the first thing that happened was the high priest was the first one to put his hand to the work. And then one of the things that I find very interesting after that was it, it says next to them 13 consecutive times. In other words, what it's saying is it's not talking about a hierarchical model or anything like that. It's saying together as a team, every person stood shoulder to shoulder, together as a family, and together they all built a section of the wall. Together they all stood and rebuilt hope back into Jerusalem again. And for us, that is on our heart. is not that we would hold a a position that is uh, above everyone else. Actually, we see ourselves as standing with you, supporting you, believing in you, serving in you, serving you, standing together shoulder to shoulder to build a fantastic church that will bring hope and light to our community. That is what is on our heart. 13 consecutive times. Now, that's got to mean something. So we're, we believe that we are called by God to bring a tangible hope to our community. For many times, we've, we've prayed and decreed and, and done all sorts of things. However, even today, there are people in our community that need tangible hope. Tangible hope. Tangible hope. One of the questions I had to ask myself was, if we close today, would our community miss us? I don't know. We need, I believe that we are called to bring a tangible hope to our community. In Proverbs 11, verse 11, it says this, By the blessing of the righteous, a city is exalted. I believe that God has called us, who are being made right by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the blessing, as we bring blessing, as, as if you and I stand together as the body of Christ and bring a tangible hope, that we bring a tangible blessing to our community. I believe that our city of Hastings and Napier, Flaxmere, Havelock, Waipak, and the cities around us will be uplifted and exalted because we have got something of God and bringing a tangible, real hope into our community. Personally, I see some of the great needs in our community right now, something that really boiled my heart when I heard the other day that a, an eight-year-old boy tried to commit suicide in our local park. That's our problem. <laughs> our community needs hope. You don't have to look very far to see people are struggling to make ends meet in terms of food. 
there's a very real need. So I see for me, there's a couple of things that are really burning in my heart. I see some of the people that are in our church that are working with prisoners. And um, it, is, I, I, it brings me to tears every time when I hear people like Matt Charlton and the different ones working with prisoners and giving them a, a whole new life. For me, that is thinking, that is the gospel demonstrated. That is a tangible hope that has been brought into our community. That is what I want to see more of. And I know that there are different ones in this church, different ones maybe here. You're already doing something. God has already spoken to you about bringing some sort of hope. And maybe you're doing it already. That's fantastic. We want to hear about that. We want to get behind that. We want to support that. And we want to see more of that happen in our own community. Today, I really want to thank you and honor you for being here today. And it means a great deal to Kate and I. We love you all very much. And every one of you, have contributed somewhere into this house and contributed somewhere to our lives. So we consider it such a wonderful honor and a wonderful privilege to stand with you today, shoulder to shoulder, to bring hope to Jesus Christ in our own community. Thank you. Amen. Amen. It's a new day. Amen. It's a new day and it's a new season. And as we declare that there's a new season and a new day, we need to honour um, the past and what's been built and established in this place because there wouldn't be a new day unless people that had gone before us had sowed their lives um, and made this place what it is. And so I want to honour today, I want to honour Mike and Joy, I want to honour the people that have stood with them and so many have gone before us and have built. And uh, this church, I said this on Sunday, but... I just want to reiterate, in case you weren't here, that this church was birthed out of prayer. And this church was birthed out of the prophetic, out of the voice of the Lord. And uh, this church was birthed from a spirit of faith. And so I want to honor the people that have gone before us and have sown their lives and have paid a tremendous cost that we, as a, as a group, as a church family, get to stand here today and say, this is a new day. And we stand here together as we enter this new season and we say, God, we pursue you passionately. I want to just reiterate some of the things that um, David said. And um, just it is really in our heart that it's an honor to serve you today. And uh, we love this house. We want to, our heart is that we, all of us, we grow together. Some of you... um, are mature in God. You've been in God for a long time, and some of you, it's a new thing. And no matter where you are in that journey, the thing I love about Jesus Christ is this, is that he calls us to continue to build in him. He calls us to continue to wrap our lives around him as the center. And so it's such a strong value for us um, and for us, we want to maintain that value in this church is that first our core value is not following after a person, not following after an organization, but passionately pursuing Jesus Christ. You know what? He's called all of us to hear his voice. He wants you to know his voice and to be able to pursue him passionately, that we would be disciples of him and that everywhere we go, we wouldn't have to say, I'm a Christian. People would know They would know that not only are we different because of the way we carry ourselves, the way we hold ourselves, but because Jesus Christ flows through us. We want to um, not only build with him, but we want to build as a family. And I love that this church has been built. We were talking today about um, 
this church has been built on fun and it's been built on relationship and we want to continue that, that not only do we stand, like Dave said, shoulder to shoulder, but we learn um, how to walk in authentic relationships with each other. You know, as Christians, we talk about um, that, that when things, you know, there's times because we're all different when things get a bit tricky or a bit hard. And we say, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, I'll go one to another. But uh, I believe this is a new season where, where it's a time of courage, where it's a time of maturing, where when there is an issue that we, um, we become courageous on the inside and we have conversations because we've got authentic relationships. We would say it's okay that we disagree, but we're going to continue in relationship and love. I love 1 Corinthians 13. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, that's the, that's the wedding scripture. But love is patient and it's kind. It's so kind. And it, it prefers each other. And it's long-suffering and it endures. And that when there's bumps in the road that we say, it's okay because we're going to walk this together and we're going to sort it out together. And that people around will know that there's a difference in our lives because we're Christ-centered. Um, I love, um, there's actually, it's a scripture in Nehemiah as well. And, um, and it's found in Nehemiah 4. And I love this. And I believe that this is a pattern for us to build with as a, as a church family going forward. And it says this in verse 17. Those who build, built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves up so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. And every one of the builders had a sword girded at his side and as he built, as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. See, everyone built, everyone here, as David said, is valuable. No matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're young, whether you're more mature, everyone here is valuable and has a place. So that we would stand shoulder to shoulder, um, everyone building and everyone protecting. Everyone building and everyone protecting. That we would be a church family that's known for our love. That's known for preferring each other that's known for pursuing Jesus together and having a blast as we do it. Amen? Tonight, Dave has spoken about, he's spoken about the desires in your heart. And I want to ask you tonight, what are the desires that are in your heart? Because you know what? One of our greatest fulfillments in Jesus Christ and our, and our greatest effectiveness is, is finding out, is discovering what he's called me to do. And pursuing that, discovering what he's called you to do. There are things that, you know what, I'm not gifted in, but you will be. And I need you, and Dave needs you, and we need you, and we need each other. There'll be things, Beck, that you can do that I have no knowledge of, and we need you because you're valuable. And likewise, right across, there'll be dreams that he's placed in your heart. And uh, Dave mentioned before about vision. What, what is in our heart is this, is we don't want to impose a vision upon you and say, this is it, come follow the vision. We're Christ-centered, passionate about him, about following him and growing in him and discovering as a journey together what he has placed in you. And that will be our greatest effectiveness, is finding out exactly what he's called you to do. And to say, we want to support you on that journey. We want to help you. We want to empower you. We want to encourage you. So over this Christmas period, we want to encourage you to have some time with God and start to reflect, God, what have you placed inside of me? God has placed dreams in your heart. You may know what they are, 
You may not know what they are, but God's placed them there anyway. And uh, over this next season, um, we want to we get around as many of you as possible and find out what's in your heart. What is it that God has stirred in your heart? And we want to support you to be all you can be in Jesus. Um, sorry, I've just gone off on a tangent. I'll just find my place. We do want to meet with you. You know why? Because you're so, incredib- you're so incredibly valuable to him. You're so incredibly valuable. One of the things that um, that is uh, Dave has spoken about also is about our community, and I just tonight I want to honour. I know there are some amazing initiatives already coming out of this church, and tonight I just I want to draw attention to a couple of them so it would inspire you, so it would be a springboard for you. But I know that Horawai and Linda have been have been doing an amazing work in Hitatonga Intermediate. And what they've done, and I, um, I'd love you to get around them and find out what they're doing, because this is something God has birthed in them. And uh, they are working, they have, um, from what God has shown them, they have um, developed a program for young people. Not only are they working in the school, but God has opened doors that um, they are in those um, children's family, um, they're welcomed into the families, into the homes. This is something that they've heard the voice of God for themselves, and they've, they've recognized the vision and the, the dream that God's planted in their lives, and then God has opened doors for them. And so we want to we wanna support that vision. We don't want to take it or take over it or make it ours. It's theirs. It's something that God has placed inside of them. And uh, now, what I've just heard recently from Horawai is that other schools now, uh, they're not pushing their way into schools. Schools are coming to them and inviting them, will you come? Will you come and do that same program? They are bringing a tangible hope and a future into our community um, because they've, they've recognised the call that's in their own heart. We want to get behind that and support that. Dave mentioned um, the prison ministry. Amazing stuff happening in our community. You will have dreams in your heart. Maybe it's not in the community. Maybe it's in here. Maybe there's an area that is burning in you that think, man, that's where I want to serve. That's where I want to be effective. Your greatest fulfillment will be the things that God has placed in your life. And so we want to be on a journey together where we discover as a team, as a family, uh, what God has placed inside of you, and we want to support you to fulfill every part of it. So tonight, it's about collaborating together. It's about celebrating each other's differences it's about getting alongside each other. It's about building and protecting. Building and protecting. It's about loving each other. We believe in this church. We believe in Bay City. It is an absolute privilege to serve you, to serve here. And we are so excited about what God has ahead for us. Um, and we invite you to come and join us on this journey. It's going to be fun. It's going to have some challenges along the way. But together, we believe that God has got great things for this community, for this region, and we believe that God has wonderful things ahead for you too. Thanks, Kate. On a a regular basis during the year, we want to be able to come together in times 
for some, for some discussions about, about how we can go forward together. However, it is a, a wonderful uh, privilege and a wonderful honour to have you here, Pastor Brent, and uh, we really receive you as a, as a man of God and uh, a really good friend. Thank you so much. Why don't we have uh, Pastor Brent Thank you. Before I do anything, I just want to invite Mike just to share something because it's really important what you're just saying to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was amazed to hear Dave and Kate speak. One spoke out of Nehemiah, yeah, and Kate spoke out of Nehemiah chapter 4. And what I haven't told them, and what they wouldn't know, is that was the very scripture God spoke into my heart when we first came here. When we pioneered the church, God spoke to me about Nehemiah 2, uh, 1 and 2, about walls broken down and the gates burned. And he gave me a whole lot of things about what the church would do in terms of restoring and rebuilding lives. That was long before deliverance had come, long before healing had come, long before any of those things had come. Uh, we just came with a prophetic gift, and God spoke from Nehemiah 1, 2, 3, and 4 about the, the nature of the church he was about to build. So, and I've never shared that with you. And so to hear you both tonight speaking the very foundational verses that God spoke to me in prayer when I came here saying, Lord, what should I do? And he spoke to me out of Nehemiah 2 and 4. Isn't that amazing? So the word comes a second time. Well, good evening, and it's just a great joy and privilege to be here. I want to just, uh, just say a couple of things to start with. Um, I don't know whether you really fully appreciate the role that this church has in the nation. I, as I travel around the world, the Lord often will bring me into a church that creates what I would probably term a vortex in the spirit. It's, it's like a channel into the realm of the spirit that creates an open flow of the life of God. Of course, the problem is that they may not be the largest church in the region, but they are the ones that are paying the cost for this openness. But a church down the road grows, has great moves of God and people coming to Christ and whatever, and they think that they were the ones that did it. See, but actually they weren't because there was a church down the road that decided that they would be a church of the spirit and they would create an, a, an opening in the spirit realm and keep that opening, opening there. This is one of those churches. I mean, this is the first church when, when I saw the manifestation of angels on ropes, shaking the ropes, and I couldn't see them, but everyone else could. What a, what a meeting that was. This was a church when I first saw people having open-eyed trances that are, that's in the book of Acts. This is a church where I stood for four or five nights, nothing happening to me because I'm about the most shut-down person um, at that time. And then all of a sudden at 11.30 at night, the Holy Ghost got me and I shook violently and had an encounter with God. This was this church. And uh, I'm so grateful for the moves of God and the outpourings of the Holy Ghost and the music and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, I've seen demons coming out of people in this church like no other church in the world, except where Mike goes. <laughs> you have a great role, and that's the reason why there's been such a contention in the spirit, because that role must be kept, it must be retained, and it must be fought for. And uh, the wonderful thing is this, that... Uh, the Holy Ghost, it's always from glory to glory. I don't think for one minute this is going to go backwards. This has to go from a whole other level of glory. But there's something that I think we need to hear, 
And uh, I have been around, I've pastored my church this year uh, for 30 years, been in some form of leadership, probably another 10 years on top of that. So I've been around a while. I was involved in the charismatic movement, the prophetic movement, the teaching movement, the apostolic reformation movement, the Toronto blessing movement, and just about any other movement that was going on. There's one thing for certain I can recognize when there's another movement happening in the spirit. And uh, we just had Graham Cook with us, phenomenal. But I was picking up about two or three, four years ago that there was a stirring of the spirit. And I've come to the conclusion that one of the aspects of that is summarized in one word, authenticity. And as I have been thinking about, and I, and I went through this journey on the prophetic, because I was one of the pioneers in the prophetic movement, and I spoke at the, prophetic, at the School of the Prophets for years, and realized I had been preaching false doctrine after a while. I realized very soon that so much of what I was teaching, the way I was prophesying, was based upon the spirit of legalism and old covenant Christianity. It wasn't even Christianity. And I have had to go through a huge change in thinking and confession and everything that I preach now. I'm having to re-evaluate as to where does the, the legalism actually come from. You know, if you, if you preach something that says the seven keys to success, if you do these seven things, then this will happen in your life. It's based on the spirit of legalism because basically it puts the effort on you and not on dependence upon Christ. And so there is a huge call for authenticity based upon intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so what you've heard tonight, actually we've discussed a lot of this, but I believe it's the Holy Spirit. And I am confident that this church, because of the role it has in the nation to demonstrate the way of the Spirit and what the Lord is doing, I believe that the Lord, through this change of, of David and Kate coming in as leaders, that's part of this church leading our nation, as a number of other churches will, into a different form of Christianity, one that is genuine, new covenant, based upon intimacy with Jesus Christ. I've had a long history with this church. Um, Mike and Joy, they have been my friends, um, certainly my friends, I hope they're friends, um, for probably 30 years. Um, I, I've been with you for many, many years. Um, I've also known Dave and Kate, and I've watched them mature. It was actually about five years ago that I felt that the Lord spoke to me that David and Kate should become the pastors of this church. And interestingly, about a week ago, I was talking to Shane Willard, who you all know here in the church, and we were talking about what was happening in the church here, and he said about five years ago he felt that David and Kate were to be the pastors of the church. And so I've had this as a very strong conviction in my heart. And so when, uh, when Pastor Mike um, you know, wrote to me, and I was overseas at the time, and said that to me, I just leapt with great joy. I can tell you I was uh, in a hotel room somewhere um, in Houston, I think it was. I was reading my emails, and my spirit just leapt for joy. I thought, thank God, what an exciting time 
that this church is about to have because I am 100% convinced that this is actually God. Dave and Kate come with some, some things that I want to talk about. They come as five-fold ministries. And uh, I think, you know, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teachers, they, they are obviously pastoral, and, 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 I, and I'm not sure what else I could talk about other things. This is not something that you're appointed to. You're a gift. You've either got it or you haven't got it. The gift is on you or it's not. You can't wake up one day and decide, I'm going to be a pastor. Give me a break, you know. And I know that that's been on them from childhood. They have demonstrated a readiness to lay their lives down for the gospel. I want to say something here that, and it's been mentioned a little bit tonight, but I want to let you know they had to escape Pakistan with their lives. It was actually incredibly dangerous. And, uh, and actually, if they hadn't gone, I think they probably would have got killed. So I remember hearing from Dave that they've had to double the guards and machine guns around them. It became so dangerous. Somebody that's prepared to lay their lives down for the gospel, they've got to carry something. The, the third thing about them is they actually have an anointing. Now, that might seem a funny thing to say, but uh, I've looked and listened to many preachers and worship leaders who haven't got an anointing, you know, and I want someone to lead who actually carries that aspect of God's life that manifests through them. And uh, I think that's fantastic. But let me say this. I have done a huge examination around the United States and other places of churches that have gone to transition because actually I'm in transition in my church. In fact, last Sunday I announced who the new pastors would be who would day by day run our church. I've come to some convictions about that without any doubt in my mind the best transition for any church is from a natural father to a natural son from all the stuff that I have seen around the world there is no doubt that that's the way that's the best way for it to be done if not that way to do it from the spiritual father to a spiritual son and the reason is because the DNA is naturally within them. They have a spiritual heritage that no one else can pull on other than the natural son. And I have said to pastors and leaders all around the world, if you want to know the blessing of God on your church, reconnect to the foundations, reconnect to the roots, reconnect to the heritage, because the blessing that was on that church when it was pioneered and started, that same blessing will come upon the church if you connect back to it. And the only person that could do that with the absolute preciseness that is needed is actually Dave. But on side of that is, as I've said, the role that this church has in our nation, and I know that Dave and Kate will be very, very serious about keeping that openness happening. You know, this church had to have someone leading it that had the weight in the spirit, the spiritual weight in understanding, and to increase it. And uh, that is why, and I want to reiterate something here, why? Because of the importance of that, Mike and Joy had to come to a place of conviction about God has spoken. 
when I came, when I was first invited to come down and help with this particular part of the transition, the first thing I said to David is, you do everything by mandate, by the voice of God. See, I was birthed in a season, as was Mike, under people like Peter Morrow, who got so sick and tired of committee meetings, and in the middle of a meeting, he would walk out to go and pray and listen to God because he got tired of people trying to work out a solution. We were birthed in a culture that waited upon God until we knew that thus saith the Lord on an issue. And man, does the church need to come back to that. We don't build a spiritual house on the basis of a good idea or another book from America or something else like that. We build the church upon hearing the voice of God, the conviction of the Holy Ghost, a sense of download from the spirit realm that says, thus saith the Lord, and we stand in our pulpits in our nation carrying a mandate from God. I've been training pastors through a thing called the Ministry Development School. I've, I have helped the transition now of probably four or five different churches, but it comes back to the same thing all the time. What is God saying to you? Because you'll only lead the church on that basis. But you see, that's part of the DNA, see. My role has been, and I trust will continue to be, to assist encourage and be a support, but also to bring my full endorsement to David and Kate. I am incredibly excited about the future for this church. I believe that David and Kate will strategically build on the foundations and the Holy Spirit activity. And uh, we were sitting around today in the lounge talking about those foundational truths and just reminiscing on the great truths of the kingdom of God that we were brought up with, the great truths of being Holy Spirit orientated, the great truths of what it really meant to be family. That actually is authenticity. I was asked at my ministry development school on Tuesday night at the end of it, they said, Brent, what do you mean by authenticity? And this is what I said to them. I yearn for a group of believers who would actually behave in a godly, biblical manner. I yearn for it. That if there is an issue of division, we deal with it in a godly way. That if there is offense, instead of walking out offended, we actually put our gift at the altar and we go and put it right. I yearn for a group of believers that would be fully transparent with one another, not speaking against each other's backs, not gathering people together for their own desires or their own thinking, but actually there is just openness where I could stand in front of my own congregation and I could share my heart and instead of someone having some smart aleck comment or some um, thing that they talk about, the judgment of God or whatever, they say, I will stand with you through that time. I yearn for authenticity of the church operating as it was meant to be, to be Christ in this earth. And I have come to a conclusion after 30 years of pastoring that if I am going to see revival, I will only do it 
when I have a body of people that have made a decision that they will live godly authenticity with each other. I've said it like this, and occasionally this happens, and I heard of a story in my own church, that when a person walks through that door, by this shall all men know the love that I have for one another. They'll be my disciples. And they walk in and they feel it. And as they walk in the atmosphere of love, their hearts break. They tell me concerning Joel Osteen and his 30 or 40,000 that gathers every Sunday there. They tell me that when you walk into that place, you are overwhelmed by an atmosphere of love. You know, I want to have a group of people that will actually truly love one another in a way that is so manifesting that there is no things between you and I or between one another, that we are actually being genuine with each other and authentic. I yearn for that. And I know that Pastor Mike and Joy and Dave and Kate, together we are looking in our nation to try to bring a message of authenticity that I believe the Spirit of God is saying around the world. And uh, I want my next, third, my next 10 years to count on that regard. I'm trying to discover it for myself. And uh, I can tell you now, there's a lot of heart searching going on right now, especially what we preach. So, I feel incredible confidence for the future here. I feel the decision to put these guys in as pastors, I believe will ensure that the church goes from one glory to another. I know that there, are, there is a measure of grief over some of the things that have happened. But I love what Graham Cook in the conference, he said in our church, and it so impacted my life. You know, many Christians that live in the present past, but we're actually meant to live in the present future. <laughs> Whoa. Are you going to live in the present past <laughs> or the present future? And uh, that statement has just radicalized just about everything that I think about church, that I think about my life, that I think about where we are to head. You know, and I know for myself, as I'm in transitioning my church to a new pastor, I'm living present future. And uh, I think it's going to be an exciting journey for us. But I know it's going to be an exciting journey for you. So I want to do something, if I may. And, uh, um, and afterwards, I'm going to sit somewhere and have my bottle of water. And if people want to come and talk to me, ask me questions, I'd be only too happy to do that. I think you're going to see a bit more of me, so get used to it. Um, but uh, I want to pray for David and Kate. Now, I want to make it clear that uh, we're not doing this, we're not inducting them as pastors. That's not my job, that's not my responsibility. But I really do want to pray for them because they have to, part of the journey is that we journey in their growth and their maturity. And uh, I am thankful that 30 years ago in a little room, in a, just in a lounge room, when I was prayed for, there were a, a group of people there 
many of whom are still with me today. And they stood with me that day that we were prayed for and we were prophesied over 30 years ago. And uh, it's such a privilege to have people that stand even in the tough times as well as the good times. But now we look present future. The present is David and Kate are being appointed as pastors. And we've got to pray for them. And we've got to believe for God's mantle and God's gifting to come over them. We will journey with them. As I said to my church, and I said, in our transition, we're going to make some mistakes. But let's enjoy the mistakes. What of it? That's life. We'll learn from them. And then we'll pick ourselves up and go again. Don't criticize us for the mistakes. That's dumb. Enjoy the process. Because when you, when you learn from the mistakes, then what you do next is better than what you did before. <laughs> you know. Anyway, enjoy the journey. What an exciting journey, this church. There are churches all around our nation that need to make this change, and they can't do it because they haven't had the guts to do it. But actually you have, and it's a delight to be a part of it. So I want you two guys to come and stand up here. Maybe if someone could move this for me. And, uh, and as I want to just point out, we're not inducting them. We're not setting them apart. That's not my job to do. But I want to, I want to do something that I believe is very biblical, um, just as my role as, a, as a, sort of a leader in the nation. I want to deposit what God has given to me to them. The job of Mike and Joy doing that at some time, that's for them to decide when to do it, but this is the night I want to do it, and I will do it in other times as well as, as the anointing grows in their lives. But I do believe, just like with Moses, God said, take some of what's on you and put it on them. That needs to happen. And... Uh, because they will need a greater grace and a greater power. However, Mike and Joy choose to pray tonight is up to them, but I know how I'm going to pray. And so I'm going to ask you to stand tonight, if we could do that, and uh, let's just wait upon the Lord for a few moments, and let's just see what the Lord will do, and maybe we have a couple, you know, we've got some helpers, that's good. Come on, let's just speak in tongues for a few moments, come on. Oh, O reva si tena maraya bo shereyara varianda. O re kere veriyara bo reshi sere varanda. Yesi kere veriyara varia va shereya varanda. O re veriyara variyara variyara va shiyara varanda. Reva siya va satara varanda riyara varanda. Father, right now we thank you for the gift and calling of God that is upon their lives. Lord, we come to pray for them right now. Father, we pray for Kate first. Father, by in the name of Jesus, release a fresh mantle and empowerment on her. Now, in Jesus' name, I release it into you right now. And I call forth the gift. I call forth 
the anointing. I call forth the dimensions, Lord, of the gifting and calling of God upon her. Father, touch her now in Jesus' name. And Father, right now we just come and we pray for Dave. And Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus. Release a new mantle to him now in Jesus' name. I release the power of God to him and I call forth the gifts, the anointings of God. I call forth new capacities in the spirit. Release it to him right now in Jesus' name. And Father, together, Father, the good things that you've given to me, the things in the spirit, the things in the call and the, and the gifting, Father, the good things, I release to them and give them the right of access in the spirit now in Jesus' name. You know, I feel like the Lord says that He has given to you a prevailing spirit, that even through the winds of adversity and the winds of change, you have found what it is to build upon the rock, which is Christ. And you know that the Lord has given to you a spirit of faith, and yet you have not seen the real manifestation at the level that the Lord has given to you. And that uh, you don't need to be afraid of what might come your way, because actually you have got a spirit of faith that you are going to discover that spirit and gift arising up within you, and it will create such an activity around you that you will find a way. I tell you now, there are already written in the realm of the spirit strategies that the Lord is bringing to you, and these things will just come to you in the night and and, in times of meditation. You will be amazed. It's like I can see it in the spirit. There's like a whole lot of files, and they're just all waiting to be given into your hand, and you suddenly say, whoa, here it is. This is the next thing that I need to do. I tell you that the Lord has positioned you to open new files and see new destinies and strategies. And tonight, Father, release the anointing on them now in Jesus' name. Lord, just hold this for a moment. Now touch them. Now touch them. Touch them with a great anointing tonight. Right now. Father, I pray for Mike and Joy right now that in this fresh season of their lives, the confidence that they've taken, Father, the anointing breaks every yoke. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I release an anointing to them right now. Now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. Loose to get into them, Father. And I pray for this church right now. Father, I call forth. Father, it's heritage. Lord, it's destiny. Father, once again, we declare that this is a place for the move of God. This is a place of access to the grace and power of God. Father, I pray right now that everything that would seek to hinder this be loosed in the name of Jesus. And we just loose blessing over this church right now in Jesus' name. Oh, see, 
We say tonight, be positioned once again to the mandate of this church in the name of Jesus. Do you know, um, I have always believed in the power of, sh- of a shout. I believe that the power of a shout can shift things in the spirit. It can break down resistances in the spirit. It can establish something fresh in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to ask you tonight to bring a shout to God, a shout of honor to God. But in the process, it's a shout of faith of declaration, of establishment. Are you ready tonight by the count of three? One, two, are you ready to give a great shout? Here we go, three. Yes, we worship you. We praise you. We worship you. Ye sikara bodiyande. Ye sikata shitande. We worship you. We worship you. We praise you. We establish, oh God, in the spirit, blessing here now. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is. Lord, we establish that in the atmosphere. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Come on, let's sing. How we love you, how we love you, how we love you, how we love you, 
how we love you, how we love you. Spirit, rest upon us, rest upon us. We need you. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We welcome, Lord, a fresh day. Welcome a new hour. We welcome, Lord, a fresh flow of your Spirit. Father, in this day, we say, let the heavens rend again. Let there be a fresh movement of your Spirit. Let there be a fresh wave of the Spirit of God, a fresh touch, a fresh hearing from heaven, a fresh empowerment into every person in Bay City. Father, a fresh gathering, a fresh drawing. Father, today, we thank you for family. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, for the new things you're about to birth, bring forth. Lord, even though there's pain in childbirth, we thank you, Lord, for the joy of that which you bring into being. We give you all the honor, all the glory. We thank you for one another. We pray for our city. Lord, may the light that you have planted in this house shine stronger and stronger and stronger and impact our city in ways we could never have believed. And Jesus, we give you all the honor. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a lot of clap, shall we? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We love you, Jesus. So please feel free to stay on and to talk with Dave and Kay. If you have any questions you want to ask them, talk with Brent. If you have any questions you'd like to ask him, he's got lots of wisdom to draw on. If you want to come and ask us things, you can ask us things.